I mean, if you haven't been blessed yet, I have. So <laughs> anyway, Shabbat Shalom, everybody. I am absolutely um, happy, overwhelmed. I don't know if there are like, you know, certain words that I can only say it in Portuguese, but it doesn't sound funny in, in English at all. It sounds uh, good to me in Portuguese, but not um, in English. doesn't translate well. And I think one of my notes just went out. But anyway, I had, thank you, um, I had so much fun this week, this past three weeks. Actually, we were at Sukkot when Rabbi Brian said, you're bringing the message on the 16th. I'm like, I am? I didn't know that. I was like, oh, I'm telling you now. I'm like, okay, so what is the Torah portion? But anyway, but it's been um, a really a very interesting um, weeks uh, leading to today. Um, our God is the God that does something new every day, even though this was written like, you know, at least like 4,000 years ago, whatever, it's still alive today and it's truly amazing how it affects you where you are at that very moment so anyway so I more than anything else today my goal in life I discovered the other day very few words is all that I hope um, for today is that that when our time together ends when I finish saying whatever I'm gonna say that there will be a fire in your heart that there will be like, oh my God, I love Jesus. That's all I really want for you, is that, that you have this passion and this joy, and that whatever, it's a word, it's a verse, I don't know what, but there will be this thing, oh my God, I love him, I can't believe it, there are no words, Portuguese, English, Hebrew, whatever, I can't, I can't, I can't. It will be this glory attack in your spirit. That's what I used to call it. I used to be in seminary uh, years ago, and sometimes you're so overwhelmed that you feel like that you're being attacked by like the glory of God or something. You don't know what to do, what to say. So I, So my prayer for you is that, that God will bring us to that point where nothing is going to matter. So is there anything bothering you right now? Any Anything? Anybody had a tough week? Anybody had a, like, you know, it's in the past, today's Shabbat? I was like, on Wednesday, I'm like, God, is that Shabbat yet? Please, can Shabbat come now? You know, this moment of rest that is in time. So we, we leave these things to God. So let's just pray. Let's just give this to him. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We adore you. We thank you for what you have done for us, things that we don't really truly even understand, the depth of what redemption really means, um, and we ask you that you take us this very moment to that moment where, to that point, Lord, where nothing matters, where our thoughts, where our um, understanding, where everything that we are is focused on you is like, you know, with that narrow focus, Lord, that you are the most important. We thank you for your word, this word that is forever, this word that will never, that, that will never pass, that will never not accomplish what you have said to do. So, Father, we lift it up to you today, and we ask you that like you did with Abraham, that you appear right here, that you fire our Lord, because you are here already, and we just ask you that you would reveal 
more than anything else, Jesus, more than anything else, Yeshua, more than anything else, our meu querido Jesus, that your name be glorified, that, that in your mind today, that in your um, face today, you could look at us and say that praise really looks good on you and you are here, we are here together. This is our time with you. We thank you for your word, Lord, in your name. Amen. So I, um, I'm not the kind of person that don't study, that don't go in. I overdo all the time. So I look at maps, I look at pictures, I look at... And now this Hebrew thing is driving me nuts. Because now I want to read everything and I want to know if it is really true. I never had just like one favorite version of the Bible. Never. I have always had few, several, but now I'm like, are these people being truthful now? Let's see the Hebrew word. Poor Stephanie and Paul, they have to put up with me because I'm like, am I reading this right? Is this the, is this what it means? And the lane is on the other lane too. Do you like, you know, my texting all the time, all times of the night? Is that what this means and everything? Because now I want to know, you know? And I, I, I do have a little bit of OCD. And when I get obsessed about something, I want to know. And I discovered that you can be all obsessed about uh, Hebrew and it's, it's still going to continue to drive you totally nuts because there is so much in there that is impossible really for you to get it just once. So you have to accept by faith that you're going to learn and it's going to come. So it's it was like this to me this week. I get in and I go on a tangent. I don't know what I'm going next. And then I come back, come back to the text. This is what you need to do. And the other thing that is important to me too is like being new, relatively new into messianic Judaism and into studying the Bible the way, you know, um, in synagogues they do like you know going from the Torah portion and going from you know the, the 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 calendar and everything else and coming back again to Genesis and everything and it had this is like my fourth year like you know really going through this and it's interesting because it's beginning to finally like the little pieces of the puzzle because that's how it feels to me you know really like a puzzle so it's beginning to to, to figure in so I always like to think of the times um, and what it means. I, I believe, we, we, we sang a song here today that says that, you know, that no, none of his words are in vain. God does not speak anything that he doesn't mean. He does not waste time. He doesn't. So every single thing that is written, every single notation, every single date, every single mention of a location, um, situated in whichever time period, whichever uh, time it is, it's important. There is a reason why it's here. So I think that in every single thing, and, and I think on, on on the small things that we sometimes ignore, like, you know, oh, it was the third day of this, or oh, was the fourth day or whatever. There is a meaning, you know, behind all this. And I think that even if you don't catch everything at once, it's okay because you can go back again. Nobody's going to steal your Bible away from you, at least not here in the United States. And, you know, we cannot say this for other people, but you guys get it, right? Don't be so quiet on me, okay? You have, you can be free. But anyway, so just to recap a little bit where we are in terms of this, uh, of the, of the calendar and where we are. So 
we had, um, so this is the fourth Torah portion. And the first one was Bereshit. What was that all about? About creation, right? Was the beginning, was creation. So you have to have one thing in mind too, that the Torah was written. So Moses, think about, so Moses is taking these people, they are like in the desert, they stayed there for 40 years. So you think that they left Egypt and these people didn't really have anything in writing about their faith or anything. So what is happening? So he is receiving all this information and writing it because this is a nation. This is like 2 million people that is transitioning. So these are things that Moses is writing. So Moses wrote, you know, we, 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 we take that. I'm not going to go into history why we know it's him. Just going to say it there. So he is writing. So he is talking about creation. So the first 11 chapters are about creation. Uh, you know, the heavens and the earth, the people, then the flood, name, tons of names of people, who was the father of whom, how many kids and everything else, which ones were good, which ones were not so good, why judgment and everything else. Then we come to the very second portion, which is Noah. And Noah's mean what means what? Rest. So Noah is the tenth generation from Adam. So he is um if th there are like tons of stuff that you can uh uh get from there. I don't have the time to go in. But anyway, so we we come to to Noah. And now last week we came to the other Torah portion, the third one, which is so it's the story of Abraham, right? It's the beginning of his story. And he is the 10th generation from Noah. Noah actually met, I mean, I don't know if they met, but Noah was alive when Abraham was born. And I, I did some, uh, some, you know, history and some looking at it and everything else. And it says that Abraham was born in 1948. Well, we are in here 5,700. 80. Does that ring a bell? 1948 to anybody? Wow, is that just a coincidence? I have no idea. But it sounds really good to, you know, to look at it and everything else. It sounds wonderful that even in the common era, even when they changed the, the calendar, you know, to the, um, to, to the Gregorian calendar, it's still 1948, the nation of Israel. That's their, you know, official. It's actually the, I, I consider that the actual official deed of the land, you know, uh, because, you know, when Abraham was there, he didn't have the deed of that land. He was a foreigner there. He was a sojourner. That's what it calls. But anyway, so, and then we get to this point here. So last week, there was so much, there was so much that is so important that it is like the foundation really like of our faith, uh, that that happened. So Vaira, means, you know, in Hebrew, it says that, and he appeared. So it just kind of dawned on me, like, this week, oh, that is right, you appeared. But the he in there, we know who that he is, right? We don't, I don't have to go into details. We all know that it is Yeshua who came there. And he comes with two angels. He doesn't even come alone. How cool is that, you know? But anyway, so... So Abraham is sitting in the door of, like, you know, by the, by his tent. So I looked at pictures of what tent looked like and anything else. There was a map. 
because I like maps. I like for you guys to see where it was. So there he is. You can see the, the, the tree in there, right? So I, I saw a picture that they say that there is a still a tree in there that it's, that is the, the, the oak of Abraham and everything. I'm like, how? Can a tree last this long? But anyway, but it's, it's a very old tree. They have dated like at 850 years. But anyway, talk about old. But that's, you know, the, the location where he was sitting in there. So he is sitting in there and it talks about this tree, about this particular location where Abraham is. And it talks about that is the time of the day. So it's like it's the highest, the hottest, the day. And he is sitting out there. Um, they say is, I looked, I read a few commentaries and they said that it's probably like the third day after he was circumcised. Now, we can't just say something like this and not go, um, go into what it happened. So the, the, the Torah portion before is when God promises Abraham a son and he tells him, I am, I am going to make you a great nation. But God comes to a man who does not have a child, who has been, who is 75 years old. He has left, you know, with his father has moved. Abraham has moved 17 times. I have a list. If anybody wants, I have a list of all the places he has been. It's very interesting, you know, his entire journey and how much he traveled. Um, and he, and God is telling him, I am going to make you a great nation. And he believed God. He believed. But God keeps coming back to him and, and reaffirming the same thing. It's like, I don't think God wanted him to forget. I am going to give you a son. And every single time, every single encounter that is, you know, registered in Genesis, you look at it and you see that it's a little more. It's building on a little more of what God told him originally when God told him, Abraham, leave your parents, be, leave your father behind, your family behind, and go to a land that I'm going to show you. I will make you a great nation. So he leaves. So he is a man with means and everything else. He has, he has a wife, has servants, have like, you know, a lot of possessions and everything else. And he moves and he goes. And he goes into a land that is occupied by somebody else. He's not even, do you know what I mean? Like he's, he's invading. He is really good, but God told him to go and I will give you a son. So this is a 75 year old man with a very beautiful wife. And they go and, you know, in their wanderings, they end up in Egypt. And he tells her, Sarah, Sarah, you say that you're my sister because they're going to look at you and forget about me. They're going to kill me because you are too pretty. So just imagine, she's not 25 or something. I'm like, God, you have a sense of humor. You really do. So here we go. And they get there. And when they get there, they, lo and behold, it happened exactly like, like Abraham said. Did he know his people or not? He knew people. He knew what people think. He is a man, so he knew what to think about it. So God speaks to that Pharaoh and tells her, give her back, give her back. She's married. It's a husband. Give her back or I will kill you. I, don't touch that woman. So they go back and the Pharaoh comes to Moses, to, to, uh, uh, he was going to come to Moses, another Pharaoh, a few years later. But to this Abraham here, he goes like, you know, why did you do this? Well, she's too pretty. You're going to kill me. 
and the story. But she actually really is my sister too, but you know. No, go, go, here, here, take some riches and go, go away, go away. And all of a sudden it dawned on me. I'm like, oh. So a few days, a few passages later, God is telling Abraham, he's making a covenant with him. And he's saying, look, I will make you a great nation. And let me just tell you something. Let me cut a covenant with you so you will know for sure. So God now comes in and he's talking to Abraham in his own language. Let's cut a covenant here. So bring bring all these animals and everything else and put it in here. So he does, he washes it, he cuts the animals in half, put one half, one half, and then God makes Abraham very sleepy. Because God does not need him to affirm his own word. He doesn't need Abraham's help. He doesn't. What he wants is to give him, uh, speak to him in a language that he understands, because he knew what a covenant meant. It was something of his time. And he knew what that meant. So he cuts a covenant with him. You know, and so, and, and we see God in the, in the fire, burning that, uh, uh, um, that sacrifice there and everything else. And he's telling him, look, Abraham, your offspring are gonna come out of Egypt with riches. So, I'm looking at, I said, oh my God, he is, this is a precursor of the Exodus. So this is like, you know, what happened to Abraham. So Abraham goes there first. He goes to Egypt first. He's kicked out of Egypt with riches. And it's going to happen again to his children. They are going to be there for 430 years. And then again, they're going to do it. I'm like, oh, my God, look at you. Look at what you have done here, Lord. Now you give it to him. And you're telling him exactly what's going to happen. You, 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 you just, you're warning them, but you're telling him, look, you're going to be in peace. Don't worry about it. It's not going to happen in your time. It's going to be, you know, a few generations after you, they're going to do, you know, they're going to, um, you, you are okay. You're okay. You're going to, you know, die in peace and everything else, have a long life. It's go- but it's going to happen. And then he gives him, you know, so this is the thing. I'm going to burn out this animal here. I don't need you. But you are going to be circumcised. You're going to carry in your own flesh the sign of that covenant that I have done with you. So now you're going to put it in your flesh. And oy vey, poor people, I felt bad for Abraham. At like his age, he circumcised every single male, including him. And don't forget, Ishmael was also circumcised. His son with the, with the slave woman, he did. Everybody, every man. And the other thing, too, that it dawned on me that I never noticed before is it says that the slave, all male slaves, and all the foreigners, they were with him. I'm like, oh, my God, Lord, look at this, Jesus. Look at this. This is Jew and Gentile. It's even the beginning of the nation. You haven't even created the nation yet because Isaac was not born yet. But actually, if he is the promise and you can never fall, of course there was a nation. And I go on and these things in my mind, you know, and thinking of how amazing is that, that 
since the very beginning, you can also see the Jew, the Gentile. He's, he, but he tells Abraham, look, you are not even going to be able to count your offspring is going to be like the sand of the grain of sand, like the stars. Count the stars. Have you guys seen the latest, I think it's like a couple of years ago, the Hub telescope, they took the, um, um, they are saying that they capture images of a star, stars being born. Did you guys see that? The pictures are amazing. And I look at it and say, really? That far? Wow. And just now you think that a star is born. I'm like, oh, wow. God of creation. You know, you spoke and they existed. So sim much simpler for us, but so beautiful to see it too. So he said that to him, you know, that I will do this. So here he is, day three of circumcision. Not a very easy uh, uh, place to be or anything else. And the Lord appears to him. He is sitting in there, and the Lord appears to him. So, what a little parenthesis here, okay? So let's let, let, keep in mind this word covenant, okay? There was a cut covenant with him. What did that that he promised him in a covenant? That he would be gonna be what? That he was gonna have a son, right? That his son was gonna have it was gonna be like like the stars. He's gonna give him a nation, would be a big nation. And what else did he promise him? Land, right? He promised him land. They're going to be here. This is your land. Go to where I'm telling you. So keep these three things in mind. So the Lord appears to him. And he comes in and Abraham is sitting in there. And as a good host that Abraham is, he recognizes who is coming to talk to him. Proof of that, that he bows and he worships. Every single other place in scripture where an angel appears and the tendency, you know, when confronted with the supernatural is to bow and to do, the angel said, don't adore me, I'm not God. Isn't it? You guys notice that, right? Because it doesn't. So you, you're going to notice that the angels didn't say anything and Jesus accepted the worship because Abraham knew he was to, who he was going to talk to. The one thing that I kept thinking, this is so cool, God, is like, it was not at night, it was not early morning that you can get confused. It was not in a dream. It was not in a vision. He says that he appeared noon time. There was no question the time. There was. Th this is no ordinary thing. This is no ordinary vision. This is no ordinary appearance, so to speak. He comes to him and he has no doubts about it. There is nothing to say, oh, I was so sleepy. I think it was the Lord. No, noon time. And he said to him, okay, let's, let's just eat. I love Abram. Let's eat. Let, let me get some water for you so we can wash. Rest right here. Look at this beautiful tree here. Sit right over here. Don't go. Don't pass. Lord, don't just go. And he, in, in the, uh, the version that I was reading, it says, my Elohim. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Cause it is Elohai, right? If we say it's my, my Elohim. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, isn't this the cutest thing ever? God, I'm going to call you this now, from now on. My Elohim, because I'm very possessive, very possessive. It's my God, my Jesus, my, my, you know, my father, my, it's mine. And I'm yours, he's mine, he's yours too. 
You are all allowed to use the same things, okay? But he's like, and I'm like, oh, he said, don't go from me. You came to me. Don't go. I'm very dramatic too. God created me this way. I have been learning to accept it, you know? But it is, and I keep thinking that Abraham was like, you cannot just go. Hold on a second. Let me just get some bread, you know, and, and just bread, bread and water. Wash you, sit over here. Abraham runs, tells Sarah, come on, come on, come on, make some bread. Three, you know, loaves of bread here. And then he goes in and he runs a little more and he gets like, you know, a little uh, young uh, uh, cough and everything else. And go like, please make it. It's nice and tender, juicy, prepare. It doesn't, it, it, that's not just like a, a thin meal thing. There's no fast food. He had to kill the poor animal and, and do the whole thing. So then he comes back, and he's standing up. Then he's sitting in there. And then I'm, like, laughing. And I said, Jesus, you ate the food. Because it's written in here, you ate the food. You ate the food. And you drank milk, and you ate the thing there. I'm like, is this some kosher thing here going on, Lord, that is like that I don't get it? There is bread. There is carbs, and you ate it. Where is the vegetables? Thank you, Lord. I know you created bread and meat for sure. Vegetables too, but I don't see Abraham serving you vegetables here, so it cannot be. I have all these conversations with God, you know. I really do. It's really fun. Uh, in my own, in my own mind, it is. But anyway, so he eats with them. And that's, and, and when that happens, that, that, that they are eating in there and everything, now Abraham is, you know, standing in there, and he says, so where's Sarah? Can you have more like a normal conversation than that? I'm like, I'm, I'm like just thinking, God, this is so normal. Like, you know, the, here comes the, the creator of the universe, the God who promised him a son, the God who spoke to him at night. You come right in. He prepares you food. He, you sit down under a tree that you created, on the dirt that you created. So you're sitting in there, and so is the angels. And Abraham is looking at you, you know, eating, and you go like, where's Sarah? You knew where Sarah was. Oh, she's in the tent over there. Why is she laughing? When I said that you were going to have a son, why is she laughing? And Sarah is like, I'm going to, you know, next time, next year, by this time next year, I will come back to you. Look at that. God is even making a date to him, telling him, I'll come back. Can you imagine just like, I, I'm like out of my mind already. I'm like thinking, you have said that to me. I'm like, oh, that, you, I'm not even letting you go. Why don't you just stay? Look, I, there is this big tent here. You stay right here, God. Don't go anywhere. No, 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 no. You know me. Don't, not, don't abandon me. I have abandoned me shoes. Don't go. You know, so you, so you, but you see him just having this conversation with him. And that is all that comes to my mind is like, you know, so he is, he knew what was going on in Sarah's heart. And I am so glad she didn't cry because if she was crying, maybe her son was going to be called tears or something. But she laughed. She's like, hmm, right. But Abraham laughed too. A few texts before he did. So he said, Well, you, the name of your son is going to be Laughter. You laughed. She laughed. But I bet to you that her laughter in the ear, it's not the same. Because she goes like, I am 
old, and so is my husband. I'm going to have pleasure still? Holy cow, Gladys. I mean, she didn't say that. <laughs> but in my own mind, it's like, you know. So she's like, but, but if you think about the absurdity of the thing, but also the normalcy, do you know what I mean? Like, it's so normal. It's this conversation, this major thing that God is having this conversation with them. And then the, the, as I, you know, was thinking about this, I said, Lord, you know, I'm thinking of something else too that, that, um, made me think is, you know, when the two disciples, after Jesus died, that the two disciples are on the road to Emmaus, and they uh, they are like so sad, walking so sad, and they are just going on and on and on and saying, you know, he died, you know. What happened? And Vaira, right there, he appears right there. And he goes, like, what are you guys talking about? And they are so sad. And they are so into themselves. And so, like, depressed. And so oppressed. And so, you know, grieving. He said, you don't know what's happened? Jesus died. You don't know what happened? And so, Jesus, how cool is that, people? How cool is that? So, he walks to them, and he is pointing to Torah, talking the word with them. This will never, ever, ever, ever die, never get out of style, never not be what it is. So here he is, the word that became flesh, that incarnated, that went through the whole thing with them. He's like telling them, but you know, it was written in there. Did Moses write that this was going to happen? This and the prophet said that. And they go like, yes, but, but, and here is Jesus having a normal conversation with these two disciples who are so depressed, who are so sad. Don't you think that the God of the universe could have instantaneously changed their feelings and reveal himself and just go like, Ta-da, it's me. No. He walked with them, quoting what? The word. The word that lives forever. He is the word that became flesh. So he is quoting to them. But the thing is, they recognize them again when they are eating, when they sit down for a meal. And I kept thinking, Lord, what is all of this? You know, what is all of this that is telling me in every single part of this and everything else? So there is a, there is this normalcy of life that God appears to you to where you are. In no matter the amount of sadness, of grief, or whatever it is, or even happiness that is going on with you. It does not matter, you know? And the thing, too, is, like, it doesn't matter because even if you, even the circumstances that you are in, he puts you in. I don't like it very much when people say, oh, it's problems, and, you know, God puts you in the middle of trouble. I'm like, why does it have to be problem? You know, it doesn't have to be. But whatever the circumstance is, the way we look at it, it's from our, from my perspective, it looks like a problem. From his perspective, it's not a problem. Because he already has the solution. He already came together. He already did what he needs to do. So there is no problem for him. It's an opportunity for me and for you to, to see something happening there. And so you see the familiarity that they have, that both Abraham and the Lord have. Such is, remember, they are in covenant. So God, and, and, and the question, you know, so they eat and everything else, they have that passage and said, well, am I hide 
from Abraham what I'm gonna, my purpose here, this destruction that I'm bringing. Am I going to hide that from Abraham? And I'm like, Lord, why are you even asking? It is your earth. It is your thing. He's, you know. And here we have a conversation that God is telling Abraham, said, look, Abraham, I'm going to do this. I came in to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and I, I came in to, to look at it, to see it. I'm like, didn't you know already? But I came up to see it. And so here he comes to his friend. But do you know what I thought too? And I kept thinking, and I said, why are you doing this? You don't have to justify anything to anybody. You are God. You can do whatever you want. He cut a covenant. He cut a covenant. He's going to do something on the earth, on the ground, to the ground, to the cities around. He has to tell Abraham. Do you know why? Because they cut a covenant. And a covenant means what is mine is yours. What is yours is mine. So I will give you the land. I have to tell you what I'm going to do with the land that I told you that I'm going to give it to you. I have to tell you what's going to happen to the land. I'm like, oh. So God now is bound by his own word, by what he did. And then it just dawned on me. And I'm like, holy cow, Gladys Jesus, have, have mercy on me here. Because, you know, this is too much for my little pea-sized brain. Because it is just unbelievable. But it is, but it is what a covenant means. So Abraham has enough gumption on him and trust that he could come to God and say, Lord, you're going to destroy the entire thing. How about if there are 50 people there? Okay, if there are 50 people, I will not. I will save. How about if there are 45? No, let me just argue again. Like, but it's 45. And the number keeps going down until for the last time he says, okay, I'll say it the last time. How about if there is 10? And I think, I think Abraham knew that he knew Lot was there, his wife, you know, his, so his nephew, his uh, niece, and the great nieces, they are there. So he's figuring out this may not be more than 10 people really there. So he can't even go. But God is so amazing. He has a covenant with Abraham. His family, your family, is my family. My family is your family. So God is bound. So he has to save his, his nephew, he has to save his family from there. But look at the trust that they have. Look at the kind of, a, of relationship that they have. And I, and I keep thinking, and, and, and you know, everybody says, um, Naaman said that Abraham is a, uh, God called him a prophet. He says he's a prophet. On, uh, there is one other instance, um, when the same situation with Sarah happened to Abimelech, and he tells him, he is a prophet. And people say also that Abraham is an intercessor, that what he's doing right now is interceding for them. And I keep thinking, but what is that that they really have? They have a relationship. They know who they are. They have spent time together. They have talked at night. They have talked in the middle of the day. They have talked eating, right? They have eaten together. They have um, spoken in God has spoken to him in, in, in dreams and everything else. So people, all that there is really like, you know, to intercede and to do something like this and what God really is expecting from us, I don't even like to use the word prayer anymore because it sounds something far-fetched. Because what I really think 
that this is a relationship. Do you know what I mean? This is a relationship. I don't like to think that I, um, when I first, when I first became a Christian, I was so obsessed. Am I praying enough? Am I doing the right thing? Am I praying the right way? So I would kneel down and pray, and then I would stand up because I would like my knees would be hurt. And then I said, is that okay to pray standing? Because I wanted to do it right. I wanted to do it right. I did not. Jesus, the day he came into my life, he changed me profoundly to this day i know the moment i know i was aware where i was sitting and everything i know that they marked my life it was not something that is like you know um that i can really forget and i am lucky enough that i found one of my old journals the date when i received him it was around russia 1978 so i know for, for how long I have been, you know, like walking with him. And I have received Jesus. I don't know how many times I have raised my hand. And if somebody makes an altar call, somebody wants to receive, my hand just go up and I really don't care. I really don't care anymore. I can think whatever you want. Because I do, I do. And I will relieve a hundred times over if I can. The moment he came into my life that he changed me. He never, I am not the same person. And it is amazing the work that he does. That I, I keep thinking, all the instances in my life that he appeared. So I told God, I, so I, you know, I like to be cute with God. And I told him, I said, ha, let me just tell you all the Vira moments I have had with you. You know, like if he needs to know. But I think he likes when I, when I go like this. I have told God jokes, good jokes. Because I do. I cannot surprise him at all. I can't. And I told him, this is very frustrating. I cannot even throw you a party. I cannot say all these things. I cannot. He goes, like, it's enough just to say what, what, what I mean to you. I said, okay, all right then, okay. Because I do think that that's how personal God is. Do you know what I mean? So if I hug you, I have to, if, if I hug you, if I talk to you, if I have a meal with you, how come I can't? Do these things with God. Well, I do. And one day he told me, well, don't worry about it. When you are eating with Sylvia, you're eating with me. I said, okay, then I will eat with Sylvia and with everybody. Because that's you, Lord. It's, it's you. I want to be this close to you. It needs to change. And uh, I'm just going to tell you guys one story and let you guys go. Because this is really like a, a huge testimony for me. Last week, um, I didn't come because my garden... The weeds were like about this big. I did not garden the entire summer. This was the first time I did absolutely nothing in my garden. And uh, I went hiking, went, did every single thing. And I am not going to do this because it's Shabbat and I do not work on Shabbat anymore. So I kept coming and coming and coming. And finally last week, the guy told me the price to clean my garden. And I'm like, ah. Uh, Okay, God. And God said, you can do it. But it's Shabbat. And he goes like, well, but you can still do it. All right, okay. You're telling me to break the Sabbath. So we arguing, the two of us. But I did. And when I was uh, there, I'm like blowing. And I really had to, do you know, like people used this expression of come to Jesus moment? You guys understand what that is, right? It took me like it took me like several tries and explanations for me to really understand because English is my second language if you hasn't if you haven't noticed yet. But it is interesting. So we had that moment and he told me, but you know why you don't want a garden and you don't want to do anything in your garden. 
Yep, that neighbor lord. Do you remember what they did? Look at this. He broke my irrigation system. He did all of this. And that guy, I think he's Muslim. So it has to be Muslim or something bad. And I'm just going on and on and on and on and on. I got sick and tired of my own complaint. And I'm like, I don't like that guy. And the other guy, Lord, do you remember what my neighbor did on the other on the other side? Do you remember what John did, Lord? So I'm like blowing leaves on that side. So I'm blowing all the leaves on his side too, <laughs> and going. I said, Lord, it's his tree. It's not my tree. Look what his tree is dumping in my lawn that you gave me. Remember, Lord, that I went in all around and I dropped olive oil all around my property. You remember? I did like Abraham. I marked the corners. I walked around. I prayed and everything. But remember, that is history. is not my tree. And see all these burning bushes there? They, they are not mine either. And look what I have to do. And so I blew, you know, so my, my neighbor on this side is Portuguese, and my neighbor on the other side is, I just discovered afterwards that he is from Syria. But that's after the blessing. But anyway, so, I, so I'm like blowing leaves in there and everything else, and my heart is really filled with all this rage and with all this anger and with all this yuck in there. And I'm not happy because, you know, here I am thinking, I said, Lord, you you were right here. This is really inconsistent. So I am. So what is that that I do? And I discover something about this. And like Kumad and I arise and let all your enemies be scattered. All this hate come out out of my heart. I recognize I do this. Lord have mercy on me. I can't be like this. I don't accept this on myself. You, the King of Kings lives in me. It cannot be like this. And so I'm like you know. So I got some measure of peace doing this. And I went into both sides. And then instead of just blowing leaves there, I blew a lot. But I did them a favor too, you know. So I blew to the other side there. I left whatever I could, but I cleaned way more than my side. And then I went on the side that I really don't like the neighbor. And I blew half of his of the leaves over there. And I did him a favor, really, because I, you know, and I'm like. But all in my heart, what I want is, I want that guy to come up because today I'm on fire and I am going to tell him some things. And if he says something else, I'm going to rebuke him and I'm going to call him devil. I'm going to do whatever. And I'm like, what's the matter with me? Where is this coming from? God have mercy on me. Jesus have mercy on me. This cannot be here. I do not accept this thing here. I don't. I don't. And this, this, all this resentment, I cannot even leave my Lord, I can't move out of this house with these feelings like this. You need to transform me. Let me tell you something. You really need to do something for me. And you need to transform and take away this thing from my heart. So I went, it was like, I was like freezing cold because Friday was cold. So Saturday was cold. So Sunday morning, I uh, sat down to um, have breakfast. And Rabbi Brian had already posted the message. So I sat and I said, oh, mom, I'm going to hear her by Brian. And I put in the message there. And every single thing that said spoke to me. And I'm like, okay, God, okay. 
I think I am going to go outside and you, you know, the gospel is good news. Your word has to transform. And I begin to, 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 to feel something, you know, really inside me. I said, but the proof we're going to go outside. And then I really realized that what I was like also very upset is when I moved to that house, gardening is the one thing I did it and I loved it. And I had so much criticism from both my neighbors on both sides and from other uh, people that I never asked their opinion on anything came to tell me what I was doing wrong. I didn't care because I was having fun planting. I was, I, I, that's what I wanted to do. I spent hours and hours and hours in that garden with God. Hours. And it became such a thing, such a place of, of defeat for me. Because of this, I let these people's opinion really like bother me. So it was just this, this sadness thing. I was grieving that too, but I went outside and I decided to go outside. And you know, I need to finish because the weeds were like this here. The front of the house was still covered. I have pictures. If you ever want to see something ugly, I have pictures. I can show you. I told God nature can have free reign. But anyway, so I'm, so I went back outside and I texted Rabbi Brian. I said to him, I said, you know, I need to be held accountable for what is inside my heart. I cannot consider even thinking of coming and speaking in front of God's people if, if I'm nurturing this thing. And this is what God is dealing in my heart today. I can't, you know, really do this. But by faith, I believe that he can change me and that he can change my heart and that he can free me from this. But the proof will be going outside and see if the feelings are there. And I will be 100% honest with you if this happened because I will not allow this to uh, stand in the way. Uh, it doesn't have to, you know, there is a difference between like feeling something and knowing what is there. So I went outside. I finished breakfast and I went outside and I started cutting and everything else, and then suddenly I noticed that I looked on both sides of my neighbor's house, and I did not hate them. I didn't care. And then suddenly, I have like oregano all over my garden, and then suddenly I could smell oregano. I haven't been able to smell or taste in a year and a half. Nothing. I mean, a lot of you guys here know I haven't been able to smell like chocolate tastes very bad. There's a lot of things that we, I really can't tolerate. I did not taste food at all, nothing. And I could not smell at all. And then suddenly there's only one, one thing I could smell, you know? And I couldn't. And then suddenly I could smell the oregano. And I just went in right over and put, and, and took some leaves and I started chewing it just to make sure it was true. And I started crying even before I realized I was crying. And I'm like, oh God, I think you healed me. Oh, I'm not thinking you healed me. I know you healed me. And I was, and, I, and God knows I did not complain about having lost sense of smell. Anything. I really didn't. I told God, I said, you know, I don't know what this is, but you, you work this out. I will learn to be thankful for what you have. And so I did. And then the joy comes in, right? Because you know you're right with God. And I, and I feel this freedom, this, all this rage, all this stuff that is in my heart, like for, for several years now, come out, just like out, out of there, totally out of there, and I am free. So now I'm like singing and dancing, and whoever is like passing in there, and I'm just like singing, and singing in Hebrew. People, 
my Hebrew is awful. But I didn't care. I'm like, Gadola Adonai. And I'm just singing and blowing leaves and everything else. And my dog is just looking at me like, and I'm cutting. And then I'm just cutting the whole thing in there and then going again. And I put my my phone outside and I'm like, th- really singing. Uh, Mikaden has a, a brand new song in that. People go listen to it because it's gorgeous. All in YouTube. So my dog is just looking at me and just like I said, I am happy, Diamond. Your creator. Look what he did. Mommy is happy. Mommy is. And I'm just going on and on and on. And then suddenly, my neighbor's sister shows up on the other side. And she starts raking the leaves in there. And I'm like, God, I think I'm going to go there and talk to her. So I went right there. I said, okay, Lord, I love you, Jesus. I'm coming. So I went there and I, t- and I, and I, and I looked at her. I said, I haven't seen you in ages. And she goes like, oh. Yes, I moved. I said, where are you now? And I became really Gestapo interrogated there because I'm, I'm like, you know, I don't care. I'm just, I know, I'm very politically incorrect. It's some stuff that I say. But anyway, so, but I'm 57. I'm, you know, 75, the opposite way around. So I'm taking that as uh, Abraham's good age. But anyway, so I'm like, look, so I talked to her and I said, so where do you live now? She goes like, oh, I'm in Musa. So where's your brother? Haven't seen him either. Oh, he is traveling. I said, okay, well, I want to explain to you what I did because usually I wait until he cleans his side and then I clean mine, but I can't wait. This really has to be today because, you know, it's even Shabbat. I mean, and I did this. She goes like, oh, I said, yes, I keep Shabbat. And I'm like, so now I really have to give a good example here. Watch it, sister. Watch it. Watch your language here now. You're representing the king of kings. And if this woman has never heard anything about him, this is your chance to love, to love her into the kingdom or whatever you say to your mind. But so I had a, an opportunity to really have a conversation with this woman. And it was the, in, in 10 years, this is the first time that I really had a nice conversation with them. So I told her, I said, you know, I did this half, so your brother doesn't have to come this side to blow it. So I blow it. Oh, no, 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 Cassie, it's okay. I'm like, I'm sorry. She said, no, 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 I'm just going to do it for him here because he's going to do with the with the lawnmower afterwards and everything else. But if it is too much and you know, it breaks the lawnmower, I said, I know I try to help. No, 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 thank you, thank you. And suddenly I realized that, you know, that maybe, maybe all the times that he looked at me, Maybe he was in pain or something or, you know, I don't know. And here I am assuming they don't like me, you know. But it was the first time and I felt so victorious after I left there. Because you know what, he, he took away, he took away. And I, so I emailed, so I texted Stephanie and Rabbi Brian and Elaine and everybody, like the, the longest text I think I have ever seen. I am Dancing, singing, crying. I don't even know what I'm saying because, you know, it has to change here. This word has to change here, has to change my attitude. You know, I cannot just be who I am. I have to be, it has to be like Abraham. Do you know what I mean? He is the father of those who believe. He is our, you know, ancestor. So he he is. We, we are all like his children. He's a man who walked by faith, who, who had a relationship with God, whose life changed completely. So we cannot not do, this word that lives here has to change here. 
has to change the way you do things next. Do you know what I mean? So I could totally, I don't know. I It was just like this joy that I was like, to feel like my sins forgiven, to see this resentment out of my heart. Do you know what I mean? To feel all this like gone. I don't know how to, to, to explain to you guys how much joy there is because of that. Do you know what I mean? And, I, and when I think about it, it is all because he appears. You know, it's all because he comes. It's all because he, he has a covenant with you and he is not letting you go. And he is not to, to let you be defeated even to yourself. It, this restoring thing is also restoring your self-image, your belief in what he can do in your heart. It's not just salvation. It's not just for eternal life. It's for here. It's for day to day. It's for this joy of walking with God and knowing that he is there with you having coffee or having lunch. Remember that he does, you know, he likes to be invited to lunch. Just saying, you know, just saying, you know, do you guys get it? I hope. If you're eating with him, with me, you're also eating with him. So, you can invite me to lunch. I'll be really clear. I will invite you to lunch too. Because he is in this thing. This relationship thing. So he is this God who comes, who cuts a covenant with you, who has you in his hands. Okay? Let's stand and let's pray. Because I, I really, I really, really, really ask God that he blesses you. Father, we love you. Jesus, we love you. You are awesome, you are amazing, you are gracious. There are no words in every language and in any language to say what our hearts can say to you today and, and in this very moment. So we thank you for all you have done for us. And Lord, every single person in this room loves you, wants to walk right with you, and I thank you. I thank you because we are in this journey together. And I thank you because it's not just my words or anything else, more than anything, Jesus. Let your name be glorified. You're worthy. You are worthy. So I love you, Lord. I love you and I love my brothers and sisters. And I pray that the blessing you gave me, that you will, they are such a blessing to me, Lord. It's such a blessing to me. They are your people your beloved people, the people that you died for, the people that you have a covenant with. So, Father, each and every one of my brothers and my sisters here, they need you. Let them know that you are with him, you are with them, that every single moment that they think that they don't have it, that you are right there. Let this word, this expression in Hebrew be in their minds, vaira. You are, and you appear, because that's who you are. You're the God who comes and comes always. Thank you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, Beshem Yeshua. Amen.